0: Incredible night. Uh, it, it was incredible on so many different levels. Um, but uh, the the overwhelming thing is there with uh, you know with eighty five young adults with special needs to sense the love of Jesus there was just really really cool. One of the guys that was there uh, working the security team. Uh, it was the first time he'd he'd. Uh, had been at the event, and uh, he, he said w- before we even started he said i don 't know if I can keep it together i don 't know if I can keep it together. Uh, just powerful stuff uh, re- really, really good things. Um, it is good to be back uh, after being gone for two weeks. Uh, my name is Rick Rubel, uh, um, <laughs> and uh, if you 're here for the first time welcome, it feels like it 's the first time for me in several weeks because it has been um, you know a year ago. A year ago, we, we, uh, issued this challenge, this, this triple dog dare to read through all of scripture in 90 days. Lots of you did that. A lot, lots of you took longer than 90 days, which was cool. Uh, some people at the end of the year said, man, I finally made it through it. That's, that's so great. Uh, to get God's word into us. This year, this year, my, my heartfelt prayer is that, um, that we would have an emphasis on prayer like never before that we would learn to pray, that we would be a praying church, that we would connect with God in a way that we never have before through prayer. And so that's what this this series, uh, Unscripted, is all about. That's why we decided to have this series. Um, We need, as a church, to grow in how we pray. We need, as a leadership, as a staff, to grow in how we pray. I need to grow in how I pray I think that's true for all of us. And so this series is, is all about that. Um, we've done some some cool things. I, you may not know this or not, but we've got a prayer team that um, when, when you fill out a prayer request that goes out to the prayer team and they're praying for those requests through the week. We have people who are praying actually in the prayer room back in the corner during the services, during each service every week that are praying for what's going on in here, and um, if you want to be a part of either, either one of those things, let us know, because there's power in prayer. God God works through prayer. It seems to me like way too often, when we have an opportunity to pray, uh, it turns out more like a junior high school or a middle school dance than anything else. Do you remember what it was like going to your first dance? Um, the music's playing. Some of you say, I've never been to a dance. That's okay. Um, But the music starts playing, and the guys are kind of on one side back on the wall, right? And the girls are on the other side back on the wall, and everybody doesn't really know what to do at all. And so initially, there's not much dancing that happens at all. Cause everybody just has this sense of awkwardness. Please shake your head. Yes, I remember. All right. Some of you, some of you are there. Some of you didn't go to the dance at all because you were afraid of being there, right? Cause it was, it was something that was just scary. Um, nobody knows how to act. Nobody knows what to do. And so this event that was designed to bring people together just has people just kind of hanging out and not experiencing all that was intended in that event. I think the same thing is true for many of us about our prayer lives. God designed this tool of communication that's supposed to be spectacular. It's supposed to, it's supposed to just be the core of our lives. And we kind of stand on the sidelines and say, oh, I'm not sure what to say. I, I'm not sure how to do it right. I don't know if I know the right words. And so moms and dads miss out on the chance to pray with their kids. Christians miss out on the chance to pray for their church leaders. Followers of Jesus miss out on the chance to pray for their elected officials and, and for their friends. Spouses and friends miss the opportunity to pray together about things that are so important to them. Um, we're, we're afraid of looking stupid. We're afraid that we don't know what to do. And, and, um, and so we do what any reasonable person does, right? We look for a guide. We look for, oh, there's got to be a right way to pray. And so we try and figure that out. Um, I, I've told a little bit of this story before uh, several years ago, about 15 years ago. Um, we were at a church in Northern Virginia and my role there was such that I ended up doing lots of weddings I was doing weddings for everybody in the church uh, all, all the time it was happening loved doing them, it was great fun and um, Deb said one time as we were at this wedding reception she said, you know what would be really cool and I said, what? and she said, if we could like, learn to ballroom dance so that we could dance at wedding receptions and I said, honey that's, that's a great idea and she said, we we need to do that. I said, okay. So next wedding comes, we're at the reception. She looks at me, she says, You know what would be really, really great? If if we could like take ballroom dancing lessons. And and, and so when we come to reception, we could dance together. Would that be great? I said, Sure, honey, that would be great. That that'd just be so much fun. Yeah. Um after about the third or fourth time that happened, that conversation stopped. Because I'm I, I was not all that thrilled about it, right? Um, So about five years later, it was Christmas time, and I thought, how can I express my love for my wife in a way that would be very tangible? And so I bought us ballroom dancing lessons. And so we go to the first lesson, and the first thing that they do is try and figure out whether you have any sense of rhythm or not, you know? Can you... Can you clap on one and three? Can you sway with the music? We passed that test and they went on to teach us some steps. So uh, I I learned a couple of things. In three lessons, you can learn the waltz and you can learn the, the box step neither of which are very practical at wedding receptions. Just so we're clear, not a whole lot of waltzes are played at wedding receptions now. I think it would have been better for us to learn how to do the Cupid Shuffle um, and the Macarena. It would have been a little bit more practical, right? But we were looking for a model. We were looking for a pattern that we could take and use that we could implement to begin to to be able to do some dancing when we, when we did reception stuff. Um, Jesus, in his most famous message, in the the message that he taught that we call the Sermon on the Mount, because he was teaching on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee, he gave instruction about how to pray. And and that's where we're going to go today. So if you've got your Bibles, take them out, turn to Matthew chapter 6, because it's a model for us that that can help us understand how can we get past being on the edges of the gym or the edges of the cafeteria at the junior high dance? How can we jump in and really dive in and really begin to pray and communicate with God in a powerful way? I'm going to read from the message. I'm going to start in verse 5 of of Matthew 6. I'm going to read from the message. If you have that on your uh, your, uh, handheld device, you go there if you want to look on screen, or if you just want to follow along in the translation that you have, but listen to how the message paraphrases the meaning of what Jesus said. When you come before God... Don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. I love that paraphrase. It doesn't need a whole lot of explanation, does it? Because it says to us, here's what it's all about. Your conversation with God, your prayer time is not about show. It's not about what other people think. It's not about having the right words. It's not about being able to say things in a way that's never been said before. It's about being real with God and just talking to him. It's not about a show. It's not about reading from a script. It's just communicating with this heavenly father we have that loves us. It's simply us talking to God. Uh, If we're ever asked to pray out loud, it can be a scary thing because we think, oh, what's everybody else going to think? Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to put my foot in my mouth? Am I going to stumble on my words? Am I not going to do it right? Jesus says, don't worry about all that stuff. Just talk to God. Share with him what's on your heart. Jesus said, this is what, a, what prayer might look like. And I'm back to the New International Version now. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. And then not some of the oldest manuscripts, but the way that most of us know the Lord's Prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know what that is, right? It's the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the model prayer. In, in reality, it's, it, it maybe is probably better described as the disciples' prayer. Because in Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus. One of the disciples comes to Jesus and says... Jesus, teach us to pray. The disciples had seen Jesus praying. They, they saw what it looked like for Jesus to communicate with God in a way that was real and active and changed things. And the disciples said, man, we want to be able to do that. They had seen what it looked like. They had learned from the time that they were kids how to pray. They had seen the way the rabbis prayed. And what Jesus experienced as he talked to God was completely different. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Luke 11, Jesus prays this prayer to teach them again. Um, this is called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, some, some of you may know it as the Our Father, right? Uh, if you come from a different kind of background. A number of years ago, we had a friend that began to come to church with us. Uh, Deb was watching uh, her little guys in daycare, and she began to come to church with us, and, and and did that pretty consistently. And then all of a sudden, stopped. And I and um and I said I said to her, I said, "What what's happened? You know, how come you're not coming to, to church anymore?" And she said, she said, "I um I can't, I just can't come to church there with you guys." And I said, "How come?" And she said, "You guys don't say the Our Father." And I said, "We don't do what?" And she said, you, you guys don't say the Our Father. And I'm thinking, what's the Our Father? And, and finally, there was this like light that went off and said, oh, like we don't say the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. And she said, yeah, you guys, you guys don't say the Our Father. And I thought, oh, that's really, really interesting. Because what she, what was critical for her in corporate worship was everybody together reciting these verses. There was great comfort in that. Now, hear me on this, because my message is really titled, Prayer is Not a Formula. It's not about a formula. And this is not about a formula. But sometimes there can be some power when we recite Scripture together. But if that's the only thing that ever happens, if that's the only way that we ever connect with God, we miss something terribly, right? If we only went to the same restaurant Every day, for every meal, eating the exact same thing all the time, it would not be healthy for us, right? It would be stale. We need, we need variety. We need to be able to communicate. We need to eat lots of different kinds of food. But there's some things in the Lord's Prayer and the model prayer that I think can teach us what it looks like to pray in a way that's powerful, Um. I had a conversation, uh, you know, having a, having a model can be really helpful. I had a conversation with a lady a, uh, a number of years ago, and um, and we were talking about how to talk with people. She said she said to me, "You you talk to people pretty easily." And I said, "Yeah, I don't know, I you know, I just find people interesting. I like talking to people." And she said, "You know what I found because I I was afraid to talk to people. I found." that if I could remember two things, it could help me in any kind of conversation I had. I said, oh, really, what's that? She said, if I was talking to men, all I had to do was ask them about their job and then ask follow-up questions because most men like to talk about their work. She said, if if I could ask what they did for a living, that would lead for them to just talk a lot about what they did. It would allow me to ask follow-up questions. I never had to say anything because the men would just... Take off and go," she said. "If that didn't work, I'd ask him about sports, and that would that would typically uh, create a conversation as well." She said, "With women, it's different." She said, "Um, "Even women who work, that's not really what they want to talk about a ton for most women." Um, She said, "With women, I would just ask them about their family. I would ask them about their kids. I ask them about their husband. Ask them about their extended family, their grandkids." She said, "And all I had to do was just keep asking follow up questions, and the conversation would would rock on through." It's very interesting. It's helpful to have a model, right? Some of you are thinking right now, oh, that's how I can have a conversation, right? Uh, what's, what's crazy is you don't have to say anything, ask some questions, but people think that you're a great conversationalist because you're asking them to talk about things that they know. A model can be really helpful for us. So let's take a look at this. Um, and, and break it down a little bit and see what Jesus may have been teaching, not so that we could memorize the Our Father and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, not so that we could do that, but so that we could understand the relationship we need to have with God and how to communicate with him. got f- five thoughts for you. Uh, you can use these for fill in the blanks in the, in the apps in the note if you, if you want to do that. Uh, first, first of all, talk with God about your relationship with him. The prayer starts, our Father who's in heaven. We have this relationship with God that we are his children, and he is our Father. What do we sing this morning? I am a child of God. God's our Father. That's incredible. Um, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in the Old Testament, there are lots of names for God, right? Jehovah Jireh, Elohim should I? all kinds of names for God. God in the Old Testament, in the Jewish law, is only, uh, the word father is used for God only 15 times in the entire Old Testament. 39 books, 15 times he's described as father. In the biographies of Jesus, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, starting with Matthew 6, Jesus describes God as Father 165 times. Do you understand that when Jesus came, everything changed? And God went from being distant to being our dad, to, to being able to have a relationship with him like none other. Um, do, you have a, do you have a good relationship with your dad? Man, I, I hope so. If, you're, if, you're, if your dad's still alive, if you don't, let me just while I'm talking about this, let, let me just encourage you. Uh, maybe you grew up with a distant or a broken relationship, your dad out of the picture. Everything that you want in a relationship with, with your dad, everything that you think, oh man, my, my friend has a, such a great dad, everything that you can think of, that's who God is. All of the goodness. Of a father is there, and a dad. Um, in our life group, a lot of times we'll start with a question that everybody can answer. That you know, it's not a theological question. It's a, just a question to get people talking about stuff. And a question that I use, uh, I, I've used a number of times over the years, is if you could if you could sit down and have a meal with any person living or dead, who would it be? Anybody ever done that? been in a situation where that question has been asked? The overwhelming response. So as an answer to that question, who could you sit down and eat with if, if, you know, anybody dead or alive, who would it be? The overwhelming response is always either my mom or my dad or some member of my family that's, that they can't have that relationship and with anymore. Why is that? For me, I, I would love, I would love to have a conversation with my dad again. And and there's some times that it would probably be because I I would like his wisdom. You know, I'm going through something and I think, oh, I wonder what dad would think about this. But more than anything, I think the reason why people answer that question with my dad or my mom, my child that's gone, is because they simply want to be in their presence. They want to hear their voice. They want to have that sense of wholeness that comes from being connected to them. When we pray, our Father, who's in heaven, it cements in us that relationship that we have with God. I am a child of God. There is no, there is no stronger relationship that we can have than to be connected to God as our dad, as the dad who loves us. Um... Tr- um Rest in that relationship as you pray, that relationship with God as your Father. Talk about Him in that relationship. Second thing, talk with God about your trust in Him. We pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's that's a statement of trust. God, we trust you. We want the world around us to look like the world that you designed. We live in this broken place where there's all this mess. There's disease, there's struggle, there's death, there's pain. There's difficulty. God, we want to live in the world as you designed it. Your will be done on earth here in the same way that it is in heaven. If we're, uh, if we're serious about following Jesus, one of the major battles that we fight over and over again is whether or not we're willing to trust God that his way is better than our way you hear me in that? It's a struggle because we think, I I know what's good for me. I know what's best in my life. And when we pray, your will be done. On earth here as it is in heaven, we're saying, God, we trust you that your way is better. In our way, we think that revenge is better than giving grace. We think that holding onto our hurt is better than forgiving. We think that depending on On ourselves is better than depending on God. We think that seeing our faults is better than seeing our value. When when we pray, we need to have some way of saying, God, I trust you. I want things to go your way, not mine. And, And so in the model prayer, there's there is that statement that helps teach us that, that helps reinforce it. Can we trust God? Is his way the right way? Absolutely. Jim Elliott, who died as a martyr to the Aka Indians, said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. We struggle. Oh, I want it this way, God. So we need to pray. We need to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Talk with God about your dependence on him as well. When we pray, God, give us today our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. What we're saying is, God, I trust you to supply what I need for today right now in the, in the, in the way that only you can. We declare when we say that, that we are not self-sufficient, that we can't live on our own terms all by ourselves, that we can't take care of everything by ourselves. Give us, God, today our daily bread Most of us, frankly, don't pray this part of this prayer very often, very authentically, right? Because if we say, give us today our daily bread, and we go home, what's in our pantry? All kinds of food. What's in our refrigerator? All kinds of food. What's in our freezer? All kinds of food. Why are we praying, God, give us today our daily bread? Well, in the first century... Um, there weren't supermarkets, there weren't freezers, there weren't all those things. that You went out and got your stuff daily. But there is this sense for us that we need to pray this prayer because it reinforces that we can't do it all on our own, that we need to trust God, that God will give us what we need for today, not just in food, but in every aspect of our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. God, give me what I need for today. Give me the strength I need to make it through this crisis at work. God, give me the grace to love on this person that just frustrates me so much. God, give give me today just what I need today to be able to love my spouse. Give me today just what I need today to teach my kids. To not live too far out in the future, but to just say, God, today do your work in me. Um, uh, let, me, let me just go down a rabbit trail here for a second and say that because in the in the model prayer there is this sense of saying God give us what we need today asking God for stuff. Um, l- let me just say this in the context of the model prayer and prayer in general. Don't be a user, right? Don't be a user. Don't be somebody who comes to God just simply when you have a request. Think about the people in your life that only show up when they need something, right? They're irritating. Amen? If you're one of those people that only show up when you need something, stop it, all right? Uh, that's, it's so frustrating to say, oh, here they come. wonder what they want today. And yet that's the way some of us approach our prayer life with God. We only come to him when there's a need. Don't, don't be a user. It's not a bad thing to ask for help. It's not a bad thing to, to, to ask um, for things from other people, to ask for help, to ask for tools, to ask for, you know, whatever it is, but only in the context of a much bigger relationship, right? It's, it's an easy thing for me to ask a member of my family for something because we have a relationship that that brings context to that, and that's not the only communication we have. Uh, next item, uh, be real as you talk with God. Be authentic as you talk with God, when, when Jesus said, here's the model prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our, our messes that we make because other people have made messes and we've forgiven them as well. Um, when Jesus was teaching on prayer, he recognized that we need forgiveness in our lives. We need to be open and honest about that. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have screwed up in my life. I've, I have, probably even this morning, right? I, I've messed up. So have you. we That's our lives, and we need forgiveness. We need to ask God for forgiveness. We don't need to pretend and to try and put up this facade that we've got everything together as we talk to God. God knows everything about us. And we need to be able to talk with him authentically and say, God, I... Uh, I've, I just messed this up and I need your help. For some people, that's hard to admit because we think, oh, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I'm a, I'm a, I do more good than bad. If I can just kind of move that bad stuff in the background, that'll all be okay. We've got to be authentic with God and say, God, you know what? Even though I might hide it pretty good from other people, I'm a mess and I need you. I need you in my life. Be real as you talk with God. Pour out the concerns that you have to him. Use normal language. Talk to him about the things that you're afraid to talk to anyone else about. Next week's message is all about this idea of authenticity in our prayer. We're going to talk about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. I hope that you'll be here because I think it has the ability, when you look at that prayer, to transform the way that we think about talking to God. Uh, talk with God about your need for guidance as well. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I, our prayer needs to be, God, don't make my journey too hard, but don't make it too easy either. God, don't help me to not walk into situations that, that, that are a mess of my own doing. Help, help me to avoid that, God. God, don't let me fail you. Lord, don't let, me, don't let me fail you so much I get discouraged and I lose heart. But don't make it so easy that I just coast and I think that I don't need you either. Jesus said, if you want to learn how to pray, ask for guidance. Ask God for guidance. Chris asked a great question last week in his message. He, he said, um, what's the point? Have you ever considered what, what's the point of our praying? Is it to bring a shopping list of items before God and to say, God, oh, these people need healing. These people need financial help. These people need this or that or whatever. I need this. I need that. I, is it to bring a shopping list to, the, to God, hoping that God, like some kind of genie in a bottle, will rub the bottle and God will say, oh, yeah, poof, yeah, you're good. And grant granted, not, I, I don't think that that's it at all. Is it to ask, is, do we pray in order to ask God for things, or is it to spend time with him, to be in his presence? David Platt, who's the, the pastor at McLean Bible Church in McLean, Virginia, said the primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know someone, to be with someone. That's that's incredible. Why do we pray? It's to be with our Father, to communicate with Him, to experience that one-on-one. Um, sometimes, sometimes we don't pray about things because we think, "I don't want to bother God with that." Right? There's uh, when when we were in Bible college, there I remember there was a. a big debate over whether it was okay to pray and ask God for a parking space when you were going to the mall, right? You know, oh God, give me a parking space right up close so I don't have to walk so far. Sometimes, sometimes we don't talk to God because we think the stuff that we want to talk to him about, it'd just be a bother, right? Anybody there? Anybody think that? Any of you honest out there? Okay. Uh, so sometimes we think that way. This, I think, helps. Uh, when, when I'm traveling, when, um, when Deb's out in Missouri or, um, or I'm out at a conference or whatever, and I call home and talk to Deb, and I say, hey, how's your day? And she says, oh, great. And we keep talking, and I, and I say, you know what? I, I sense something's not right. Are you okay? And she said, well, yes, yeah, some stuff's going on, but I don't want to bother you with that. What do I say? Here's what I don't say. I don't say, thanks so much for not bothering me with that. (laughs) That would be wrong on so many levels, right? Ah, thanks for not bothering me with that. No. I say, honey, what's going on? It's not a bother. You know, something would be desperately wrong if you go to somebody else to tell them about those struggles instead of telling me, I don't care how big or small it is. I love you and I want you to tell me what's going on. We, we have this picture that God has this finite amount of time and attention, Right? And that if he's taking care of cancer for somebody, or if he's stopping the coronavirus from growing, or if he's got all these things going on, oh, I can't, I can't really talk to him about struggling to fall asleep at night. That seems so trivial, right? God, God is not bound by that kind of finiteness. His love for us is overwhelming, and we can talk to him about anything. It's not a bother. He loves us. Hear that. Hear that. Hear that. Um, Prayer is never a bother to God. The primary purpose of prayer is not to get something, but to know someone. Friday night at uh, Night to Shine... I was standing at the door greeting guests as they came in. And one of our guys was there with his 11-year-old son. And, the, and his son was asking him about what was going to happen during the night as these uh, folks with special needs came in. And he said, oh, it's going to be great. You know, they're going to come in. They're going to get to walk down this red carpet. People are going to cheer for them. And then, then we're going to serve them a meal. Uh, they're going to eat this, this great meal in a beautifully decorated room. And then they're going to go out and dance. And he said, and they're going to dance like nobody is watching. Um, I thought, oh, what a great phrase. Now, I know that that's a country and western lyric, all right? I know it's from a song, but that's such a great descriptor. Dance like nobody's watching. Can we pray like nobody's watching? unconcerned about anyone else because we're simply talking to God. And the freedom that that creates as we talk with our Father and listen for Him to talk to us, it'll transform that relationship. It will grow that relationship. Um, I wish that you could have seen those young adults and adults dancing. You You saw some of the video Friday night. It's, it's such an incredible thing and that's such a great example, or, or a great demonstration of dancing like nobody's watching. There were, there were, there were, um, there were folks there at, at Night to Shine that were really, really dancing like they were dancing far better than I could dance. Um, there were folks in wheelchairs that were dancing in the wheelchair, folks with crutches that, that were dancing, people that, that, uh, were, their dance was about kind of like mine, you know, it was just this little gentle movement back and forth. But but people were dancing. What was really interesting to me is that all of these special needs folks are dancing in the middle of the floor, and there's a ring of people around the outside. And you know who the people were on the outside? They were people like me, people who weren't hurt standing and watching, not engaged in the dancing because they felt uncomfortable, awkward. They thought, "Ah, I don't know. Who enjoyed the night more? The dancers or the watchers? The dancers. Now, it was pretty cool to be a watcher. It was pretty cool to, to watch. But a completely different kind of experience to be a dancer rather than a watcher. May we become dancers as we pray the Lord's Prayer, as we follow the model prayer that Jesus has given us. Each week in this unscripted series, we have a challenge for you. Last week, Chris challenged us uh, to just fill out a little thing in the bottom of the app, a a little uh, survey that can help us figure out maybe how to pray a little bit easier, different kinds of prayers, connect with people in a different way. Here's the challenge for this week. I want to challenge you this week to pray out loud. Some of you, maybe for the very first time, to pray out loud either by yourself in a quiet place in a room or to pray out loud with someone, somebody that you trust. Husbands, wives, take the challenge this week to pray together out loud. Parents, pray with your kids out loud with them and for them. In your life group this week i don 't want to destroy life group attendance, but uh, life group in your, in your life group this week, pray let me encourage you to take the step and pray out loud, maybe for the first time, knowing that it 's not about the people around you it 's about your communication with god it 's about expressing what 's on your heart to him. Talk about your relationship, God is Father, talk about your need to trust him, talk about your need for guidance. Talk about your desire to to have him not lead you into temptation, but talk to him and and pray out loud. Take that challenge. Um, Does it, I hope it it doesn't, well, no. Does it feel like I'm forcing you to do that, encouraging, coercing you to take that step, to pray out loud? Um, If so, good, all right, Um, (laughs) frankly. Because I don't want you to stand around the sidelines and be a watcher. I want you to be a dancer, and there's something incredibly powerful. Picture this. What kind of relationship would you have with your husband or your wife or one of your children or one of your siblings if all you ever did was sit with them and never verbalized anything? The power of that relationship comes as we communicate as we express the things that are the deepest in our hearts. That's where the relationships grow. Take that challenge. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going we're gonna to conclude today's message with a, just a special prayer time. Um, one of our own, Jesse Chandler, is a 19-year-old kid that's getting ready to go to the Ukraine. Uh, to do an internship in missions, foreign missions. And we have an opportunity to pray for her. She leaves tomorrow. And so, Jesse, come on down here. And if you would like to physically just put your hands on her uh, to pray that God would protect her, that God would watch over you, watch over her, I invite you to come down and do that right now. Um, I hope lots of you do that. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit about Jesse's trip. Um, she has a sense that God is calling her into missions, like for the rest of her life. And this, the, the next few months in Ukraine um, are a chance to sense if if, God, if that's really what God wants. Take a step or two forward so people can surround you. All right, um, uh, It's a chance to, to discover whether that is really what God is calling her to, to do or not. And um, she's going into a culture where uh, there's only going to be a few people around that speak English into a college town, college environment where everybody speaks Ukrainian. That's their native language, and it's scary. Um, Yes, Jesse? So we're going to pray for her right now and um, pray for her in the future as well, that God would use her, that she would be a beacon of light in in a different place and that God would make his way clear for her. Amy's going to lead us in prayer.
1: Lord, we thank you so much for how you have drawn Jessie uh, to this moment. How you have prepared her her entire life uh, for such a time as this. So we pray, God, for your protection over her. We pray for your provision. We pray, God, that you would go before her, that you would prepare the way for those that she's going to encounter God that in those moments of weakness, she feels you the most Mm
0: -hmm.
1: give her, give her wisdom, uh, give her great delight in what she's about to do. And God, I pray that over these next few months while Jesse is in Ukraine, that you would bring her often to our minds and that in that moment we would pray, we would pray for her. So we thank you for this opportunity for Jesse to go and, and be the light to a people who need you. And uh, we pray for her family that she's leaving behind, that you would Mm -hmm. comfort them and encourage them in, um, in missing her. So we just praise you, God. And thank you that as a church family, we get to be part of sending her off. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen.